You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is a podcast from Minute Media. You're listening to Rum Buncher Radio. This is episode number 76. It is day number 81 of the MLB player lockout. And guys, I think this week could be the week we make some serious progress. Hopefully, they are scheduled to meet several times this week after not a lot has gone on over these last couple. But as we look at it now, uh, I, I believe February the 28th is the day they need to get this CBA figured out or we could see opening day pushed back. But hey, we're not here to talk about that tonight. Trey Hannity, Marty Liebnick, Caparoso with you guys as always. We're joined by Noah Wright. Talk about the fan graphs updated 61 prospect list for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Obviously, some um, you know, some huge leaps for certain guys on this list. Some guys sliding back a little bit. We're gonna get into this tonight. But guys, before we do this, gotta let you know about everything going on on rumbunter.com right now. We got Noah on the show tonight. He constantly has articles cranking out, along with these two other guys, Nick and Marty, and the rest of our excellent staff. So be sure to go check that stuff out and follow us on Twitter at Rumbunter as well. But as we get into the show tonight, guys, how's your last couple of weeks been? How you guys doing? Marty, you want to get us started? Yeah, not too bad. Been a, been a busy few weeks, but, you know, sometimes being busy can be good. So, yeah, not, not too much going on. Nick, how are you doing? Well, you know, just more of the same, trying to get through these winter months. It's always a struggle, but... You know, hopefully, um, you know, minor league spring training starting and, um, you know, like you said, maybe an agreement in the near future will uh, brighten some things up. Yeah, no doubt. How you been, Noah? Been good. I, even though there's a lockout, I've been fo- looking forward to college baseball. I went to my first uh, college game for my college, uh, California University. Only might be D2, but, you know, nice to get out there and go watch the game, watch some baseball right now with everything. No doubt about it. Noah's telling me his team stranded 12 runners today. So condolences to California, but they'll bounce back. It is good to have some college baseball going on right now. And like minor the season four, maybe that's what we like to hear. <laughs> I was gonna say, flashbacks for Noah there, but uh, yeah, great to hear guys. Good to, good to hear you're all doing well. This list is one that we talked about a ton in the group message and we have articles out and talked about it on Twitter as well. You know, like I said, some big leaps here. And um, you know, I think, to start it, Ronji Contreras was who I was most excited about into the top three now. I'll just kind of list off the top 10 and then get your guys' thoughts at the top of the list here. But we got O'Neill Cruz, of course, at number one. Henry Davis now at number two. Ronji Contreras at three. We have a Paguero up at four now. Quinn Priester slides to five. Nick Gonzalez 
gets up in there at number six. Indy Rodriguez at seven. Matt Frazier at eight. Jared Jones at nine. And Bubba Chandler uh, down there at 10. What are you guys' thoughts on this list? Some guys in the top 10 maybe you didn't expect and some guys that you maybe expected to be a little bit higher. Where do you want to lead it off again here? Yeah, you know, looking at Fangraph's list, I think one of the uh, biggest surprises on a positive front for me is probably Matt Frazier. Um, you know, Frazier is a guy who last year just did nothing but hit throughout the minor leagues, both with Greensboro and with Altoona, and puts himself in a position to probably get to Indianapolis at some point this year and be on the doorstep of the major leagues. Um <clears throat> You know, anytime you see a guy hit like that in the minors, you always kind of wonder, you, you know, is it is it really sustainable? Is it something that can turn into a guy becoming a top prospect, or is it a guy feasting off minor league pitching? You know, something we talk about a lot here on the show on the website, in the minor leagues, results don't – as weird as it sounds, results don't always matter. You look for other things other than just the results – but after the season Frazier put together, it's good to see him make that climb, see fan graphs, among other places, have belief in him. You know, especially with the Pirates, where there could be plenty of playing time available in the outfield this season. You could potentially see Frazier make his major league debut. A few other guys of note, I feel, you know, Jared Jones, who's a guy I know, Noah, you are extremely high on, has climbed into the top 10 on fan graphs, probably one of the more underrated members of that 2020 draft class. And even Bubba Chandler. You know, good to see him stick around in the top ten of the draft or top ten of prospects. Excuse me, after being taken in last year's draft as a two-way <laughs> player, and you know we, we can't go without mentioning good friend of the broadcast of the podcast, Michael Burrows, who made a big climb on fan graphs. And again, I don't think to anyone who follows the minor league system who's read what we've had to say on the site probably is not surprised to see Burrows climb up to number twelve in the in the farm system. According to Van Graffs, he's a guy who's got multiple plus pitches. He's a guy who his spin rates are off the chart. And, you know, worst case scenario for Burroughs, he's probably a dominant reliever down the road. So, again, not a surprise to see a guy like Burroughs climb, but still good to see. Yeah, Marty, I agree with you on a lot of those. Um, you know, the, the biggest thing that stood out to me was Bubba Chandler at 10. Um, you know, it's rare that you see – uh, multiple draft picks slide into your top 10, especially whenever you have a pretty deep uh, farm system. So to have him and um, obviously Henry Davis was going to be in there, but that, you know, it's very um, positive. You know, Chandler was a guy who, like you said, he's a two-way player. We'll see what he sticks as, but you know, the fact that fan graphs, who is very particular um, about their their rankings, especially of younger players. Um, the fact that they have him, you know, already ranked highly, I think really shows uh, the talent that they got in him in last year's draft. Um, a couple of the other notable guys on here, you know, you're looking at the top, O'Neill Cruz, Henry Davis. Uh, you're looking at your top two power prospects in, in the organization as well right there. So, you know, the fact that they're at the very top has to make you feel good that your potential future middle of the lineup guys are viewed as potentially, you know, uh, can't miss prospects. So we're going to get a dose of Cruz. We already did last year. You know, he'll probably be up hopefully to start the, the year this year. It will be interesting to see, um, you know, if this new CBA 
makes that easier for the Pirates to get him up or not. Um, and the, my last note, really, Marty, talking about Matt Fraser, you know, one of the big issues I had um, with him, and like you said, he he's hit at every level. The, the concern for me is, like you said, is he feasting on minor league pitching? Is, you know, he's 24 years old already. He'll be in double A. So it's one of those I, I expect to see him uh, move kind of quickly this year if he, um, you know, comes out hitting again. Yeah, I, I think Frazier – for me, I feel like Frazier's got if he doesn't start at triple A, he's gonna be one of those guys that starts at double A. And if he just completely wreaks havoc on pitching, he's gonna get moved up to triple A within the first month to me. And Marty, you said I I do love Jared Jones. And the big thing for me was seeing his commands get projected from a 35 to a 45. Because Jones is one of those guys, you know he has just the pure raw stuff. You know, he has an amazing breaking ball. He has that upper 90s fastball that can touch 99. He doesn't have to have Greg Maddox command to be good. If he has just slightly below average command, he's going to be amazing. And the and it'll obviously, I love Rose Contreras. I love Rose Contreras even before the Pirates acquired him because I remember writing an article about, oh, well, here's some prospects that if the Pir- Yankees look into any of our trade pieces at the time, they could the Pirates could ask about Contreras. And so I was focusing a little bit on him then when the Pirates acquired him. I was kind of happy about that, but I'm so happy to see him in the top five. I think he really deserves it. And he made just so many massive improvements last year. Uh, But one of the guys I'd love to see climb the rankings was Andy Rodriguez. He had an amazing year at Bradenton. And like we said before, results aren't always the big factor with the, with the prospect rankings and prospect evaluation, but I mean, he's just been so good throughout the minor leagues. I, I, He hasn't had, in any of his minor league seasons yet, he hasn't walked less than 10% of the time or struck out more than 20%. So at the very least, he's showing good plate rec- good re- pitch recognition and plate discipline. And obviously, his uh, final position, some people have argued about first base, catcher, maybe a corner outfield spot, but I just think he has such a great hit tool that it's not going to matter where he ends up. He's just going to be a really good hitter. And Chandler, we were talking about, I really like, I I want him to stay as a two-way player, but even if he doesn't, I think he's got that potential to be a high-end starting pitcher and be a rotation anchor for you long-term. Yeah, no, Noah, you know, I got to agree with you too on a part there about um, Andy Rodriguez. You know, you, you kind of hit the nail on the head outside of just his pure numbers at his batting average, his home runs, which we're all solid this year. You know, when, when you see a prospect um, who is, you know, playing his age 20 in the 21 season and he's walking more than 10% and striking out less than 20, you know, that, that says a lot about yeah. what he has and potentially at, at the plate. In the yeah. Future. To me, when I'm looking at prospects, that's like the number one thing I care about. I was like, how often is he striking out and how often is he walking? Because if you have a guy in the low minors or just striking out a ton, I just don't think that's a good outlook in the future unless they could, they start turning that around. But walking or that. Yeah, it's fair. But, but, you know, you have Rodriguez who doesn't strike out a lot and he walks a ton. So that's always a good sign to me. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, we were talking about it before the show. I just love how much depth there is at catcher. Jacob Stallings trade when it went down woke me up from a nap, if I'm going to be honest. But I was a little bit disappointed seeing that return at first. But, um, you know, you made some great points before we got on here. No, you look at 34 years old. And uh, like Nick said as well, you don't really know 
how COVID affects all this. Too. 34 at the end of 34. 33 years old, about to be 34. Um, but you know, COVID might have affected some things, and now you have depth at catcher. So just great to see all of that. Uh, great thoughts there, guys, on this top 10. Uh, there's one guy on here too. I think Quinn Priester. I don't think number five is necessarily a knock on Quinn Priester, but interesting to see that Contreras has now passed uh, Priester there. As far as pitchers go on this list, no, I love having you on the show for a, a multitude of reasons, man. But one thing I think you do really well is, is break down the numbers and provide a lot of different stats. For those out there that don't really know how these grades work on fan graphs, kind of explain that on both sides of it, um, you know, and, and how they get these grades. Well, the grades, the fan graphs gives a lot of – sometimes they base it on athleticism. Like you see, they – we've talked about before just – between ourselves that a lot of the times they value athleticism on the mound. So that's why some grades are higher, but they also determine on how hard they throw spin rate, all sorts of stuff like that, but just how well they could command the pitch as well. But Priester was a guy that I was kind of surprised fell a little bit. His, his curveball got bumped down from an 80 projected to a 70 projected. And they also gave him his, a change up back, which that when they did give him a grade for it, was a 50 to 55 projected now down to a 35 and they still give him a good grade for his cutter, which is a 60, which when you get to 60, that's you're near, you're on that like borderline elite territory. But I just really think Priester shouldn't have went down very much as much as some sites and other play and other prospect rankings have. Cause even just from a pure number standpoint, he was about three years younger than the average competition at brain or not Brainton at the green and Greensboro's league yet he had great numbers. He had a three or four ERA. I know ERA isn't the best stat, but still good ERA. Everything was basically well above the average because Greensboro was an extremely hitter friendly environment. And then also he had that great second half. And in the second half outside of one game, he had a sub two ERA and like a walk weight walk rate below 8%. And so it was great to see him in the second half, just have that, just great to see him do that. But again, I just don't think he really deserved getting bumped down as far as some, as some uh, rankings have. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm still incredibly confident in Quinn Priester and uh, you know, a lot of these youngsters too here that we see kind of make moves at the pitcher spot. Let's go to the bottom of the list guys, if you don't mind and talk about some of these dudes that maybe slid a decent ways. One guy that I uh, have absolutely loved since the trade was made, Eddie Yeen, has slid down to, to number 53 now. Some other guys, Tanaj Thomas, we brought up is down here at 52. Uh, Brendan Malone down to 56. What are you guys' thoughts about some of the big movers in the negative direction and who you were surprised to see drop so far? Uh, you know, I was, I guess, more or less expecting to see some of those drops. Um, you know, with Yeen and Thomas – they're more and more looking like they're going to be bullpen arms. And at that, you know, they're still searching for that consistency on the mound. Um, you know, you still like the the power arm, of course, and that's why they'll stick around. But it's easy to fall in love with those guys and hence why they were, you know, previously viewed as, you know, such highly touted do- guys. But, you know, I, I would say, um, you know, like you're looking at bullpen arms, you're looking at – you know, hopefully good ones, uh, if they can become that. Uh, we'll see what happens with them. Um, you know, Santiago Flores, you can kind of also put into that that mix of power arms that kind of question marks whether they'll make it or not. Uh, another guy I want to point out, though, that really dropped, and 
you you hate honestly you just you hate to see it as Hudson Head. Um, you know, looking at a guy who is supposed to be the centerpiece of of the Joe Musgrove trade, which the Joe Musgrove trade is an interesting one, and you know a lot of people are already you know calling it a bad trade, but you know we obviously time will tell. Head is only 20 years old, you know, but to see him drop down to 41 is definitely alarming um, being the centerpiece of a, of a very big trade. Yeah, you know, to go off of that, you mentioned Tanaj Thomas. Um, you mentioned Eddie Yeen and, you know, Trey, you mentioned Brennan Malone. I don't think it's really a, a surprise to see any three drop. Uh, Malone is a guy who is just for – the talent he has has really struggled to stay on the field. You know, he, he was drafted by Arizona in the 2019 draft and has, I think like 22 or 23 professional innings under his belt at this point. Um, Tanash Thomas last year really struggled with Greensboro. And, you, you know, you look at Eddie Yeen, another guy who struggled pitching last year and Thomas and Yeen were always two guys who, had a very high bust potential to go with the high boom potential. So not a shocker to see them fall. Um, Nick, I agree with Hudson Head. Definitely concerning to see. I I think with him, it's not so much concerning to see the drop because that was probably expected after the season he had. What was concerning was when he came to Pittsburgh, the big arc on Head, yeah, was was he going to make enough contact? And the swing and miss was a big issue last year for Hudson Head. And that continues to be a problem. Yeah, I mean, you look at the bottom of the list. You, you know, one guy, and, and Noah, I know this is a guy you like a lot, and I know you'll agree with me on this, that's kind of not necessarily concerning, but surprising to see him as low as he is is probably Connor Scott. Um, Scott was a guy who was acquired in the Jacob Stallings trade, only 22 years old, 13th overall pick out of high school in the 2018 draft. Um, had a good didn't season. have a bad year last year either. Here, yeah, and just plummeted down the prospect rankings. Yeah, I, was kind of, I was really surprised to see that too. It's like he had yeah. career best basically in everything. I and like like we said before though, like stats aren't everything. The bottom line stats aren't everything, but still, he's had to make some improvements to have a one twelve uh, WRC plus after never having one over a hundred at any level in the minor leagues. So he had to make some improvements or some adjustments. You had that on with the first round pedigree, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's even if you look at some of his other numbers, like last year was the lowest strikeout rate of his career. It was the highest contact rate of his career. You know, the best power numbers of his career. So a lot of that. Had a great second half too. Yeah, yeah. A lot of that kind of just raw ability that's going to transfer from level to level was improved last year for Scott. So that was one that was kind of surprising to me to see, but – you know, I feel like if you look at Hudson Head, for example, is 41st on fan graphs and Scott is 43rd. I think moving forward, even though Scott's ranked lower, you probably feel better about him as a prospect than Head because Scott is a guy who, based on his on-field performance, appears to be trending upward, while Hudson Head appears to be trending in the opposite direction. For me, yeah. I think... I'm sorry. I was just going to say, you, you got to figure that's a big reason why he was a part of that deal. Um, it seems like Charrington you know, has made a point to target guys who arrows are up, you know, and Scott's definitely should be up um, regardless of, you know, this list. But 
based off, you know, pedigree performance last year. God, no. Well, I was going to say, to me, I think between Scott and Head, I think Head personally just has the higher ceiling. I think if he just even makes average contact, he's going to be a guy that can provide 25, 30 home runs and also be like a great defender in center field. Scott, I to I feel like is a uh, better fielding version of uh, Randall Gritchick, who's, uh, you know, pretty meh walk rate, but is going to give you some home runs in okay end, but with better defense in the outfield. So I've always been, I've always been uh, having a higher opinion of head over than Scott, but I, but yeah, I like seeing that uh, Scott is trending upward, but I'm still, but I am concerned about the drop with uh, Hudson last year. What are we supposed to think about Tucapita Marcano? I mean, you know, I don't think it's a surprise to see him where he is on this list. But, you know, we, we, we kind of talked about this one, too. It's It was a holdout, and, you know, we, we expected some crazy return. And I think Marcano is exciting to see a player, you know, get into the bigs after a trade last season. But, you know, down at 55, what's his future look like? I mean, I don't, I don't think it would be a surprise if you see Marcano crack the opening day roster – you know, he was a guy who I talked about after the Fangraphs uh, update was dropped. I, I had an article on the site about the biggest risers and the biggest fallers in, in the Pirates' rankings. And I mentioned Marcano being a guy, well, yes, he fell, has an opportunity to really kind of right the ship, get back on track, everyone to put it pretty quickly, because it's it's definitely foreseeable to see him being on the opening day roster and see him getting regular at bats. You know, you, you look at the pirate lineup right now, you have no idea who's gonna be a second base, left field and right field are wide open. You know, if Kevin Newman struggles offensively, there could be a bats available at shortstop. These are all positions Marcano can play. Um, Ben Charrington attempted to get Marcano in the Joe Musgrove trade, and at the time the Padres not want to move him. So obviously he's a player this front office is very high on. So, you know, I, I think with Marcano. Also, in its, I know this is a bit of a lazy comparison for a lot of reasons, but in the second that trade was made, a lot of people called him Adam Frazier 2.0. And a player like that is never going to be super sexy, never going to be super high on prospect rankings. But if you're a team looking to compete, a team looking to contend, you need some guys like that. You know, you look back at the Pirates of 2013 through 2015, you know, you look at what a Josh Harrison brought to that team, for example. You have to have guys like that. And Marcano can be that guy. You know, can play all over the field, give you average, slightly above average offensive production, give you above average defensive production in multiple positions. And at the end of the year, you have a pretty valuable player. So I think the big thing with Marcano is that he doesn't necessarily, he's not necessarily great at anything, but he can be pretty good at a lot of stuff. And players like that are valuable, but players like that are never going to be super sexy and and super highly valued when it comes to prospect rankings. The one thing I think a lot of people kind of glance over with Marcona is that this guy went from A ball to the major leagues. No stops in between. He didn't play at double A, not play at high A, not even a game at triple A. He went from A ball to the majors because the Padres at the time had injuries with uh, Cronenworth and, uh, and Tatis Jr. and they needed an infielder, so they brought... Mark Hanlon just to fill that gap for a little bit. And he, okay, he he got overmatched. Yeah, any anybody who's called from A ball to the major leagues is gonna struggle. 
And if he puts up some, he didn't do awful at AAA either, especially with the Padres. Uh, didn't really repeat that with the Pirates. But again, it's like he's he didn't play at AA. Probably would have played at AA in 2020 if there was a minor league season, but did but because there wasn't, obviously didn't. But again, it's like he got overmatched, but he also hasn't played this good of competition, this like a this much more developed competition yet in his career. And to me, the fact that not only was he still posting a strikeout rate below, like of his highest strikeout rate so far with him has been above 10%. And it was still only 15.7% with the Pirates AAA team. And uh, like, again, skipped, skipped high A, skipped double A, went to the majors, got sent back to AAA to put up above 10%, above 12% walk rate, 15 and a strikeout rate around 50% to me is something that I'm really looking at here and think, okay, well maybe there's something here. He doesn't strike out a lot. He gets on base. If he, as long as he makes good enough contact and hits the hits line drives, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with a league average, slightly below league average hitter who gives you a solid average, good on base percentage and can play all over there, all over the field. Yeah, no doubt. That's why, you know, I think 55 uh, is pretty fair on this list. Some of these guys at the bottom, I, I think it's definitely fair to see them slide. And you look at some of the guys at the top, you love the youth. And you love to see guys like Tony Blanco Jr. You know, instantly be uh, slotted there at the top 30. Jordi De Los Santos up at 26. Uh, you know, obviously Anthony Solomedo at 15. Um, you know, and, and Henry Davis, of course, at number two there as well. Do you guys think they got the placement for a lot of these younger players correct? I think Tony Blanco you know, might be one of the most exciting players that's now in the organization down there at 29, of course, only 16 years old. Los Santos, 17 years old. But how did you guys feel about the placement of some of these really, really younger players? Yeah, and, you know, that's something I kind of hit on earlier with, like, Bubba Chandler and why I thought it was so impressive for him to be already, you know, snuck into the top 10 on Fangraphs. Um, Fangraphs is generally um, more um, – trying to think of it not as high on younger players i guess more or less you you know last year and years before some of the the pickups like shaylen polanco and i think um christopher cruz the year before that you know they didn't appear on these lists so i was a little surprised to see um those two come in on these lists but also in the top 30 um you know and it Hopefully, it speaks to their potential. I think Yordani De Los Santos, if you look at him as a pure 16, um, you know, 16, 17 year old, they get one of the younger ones in the class. He was kind of the top hitting prospect, actually, in terms of like players who were available to, to sign. Um, a lot of the hitters who were above him were, you know, much older players coming from Cuba um, and, uh, you know, other professional leagues. So I think it's impressive that they were able to land two guys who are already falling into this, this farm systems top 30. I really like seeing, uh, uh, I really like seeing uh, your Donnie De Los Santos and Blanco jr. On here because, you know, the, it's really hard to get two top 30 prospects and you get two in from the international and, Switching to another site with MLB Pipeline, uh, the Pirates were the only team to sign two international prospects who are ranked in the top top fifteen or whichever it was. But it's just nice to see them. 
improve from the international market, get some really good young talent. And like we were saying, De Los Santos was the best hitting prospect. Blanco Jr. was probably the best power prospect. I mean, the kid's a, the Hulk already. He's 6'5", 230. Well, that's what Fangraphs lists him at, at 16 years old. I mean, by the time he's, you know, 22, 23, he's going to be Giancarlo Stanton size, which to me is a risk, but still that's could mean that this guy's going to be uh, the 35, 40 home run hitter in the future. Yeah, I think what was most encouraging to me to see out of that group is, you know, Nick, you kind of touched on this. Young guys a lot of times don't get ranked high. You know, you, you look at <clears throat> Tony Blanco Jr., you look at your Donnie De Los Santos, they're both teenagers. You know, they're both – they're both kids and they have a lot of growth to go. They have a lot of proven to go as a player. And when we recorded our show, not long after the pirates signed those guys, I remember saying, Hey, when you don't see these guys pop up in, in top prospect list next year, don't freak out. It's not a knock on the player. It's the fact they're 16 years old and have a lot of growth to do. Well, I mean, hell the kids are 16 years old. And they're both in the top 30 and fan graphs already. That speaks volumes to their potential and to their ability as baseball players and just continues to go to just kind of reiterate that the pirates have got two really good players on their hands, two really good, you know, pieces of mold or pieces of clay, excuse me, that they can mold, and De Los Santos and Blanco Jr. For sure. Yeah, Mario, that's a thing you said there about, you know, molding them. And I, I, I think back to what you were saying earlier about Tanaj Thomas and Eddie Ean, even to an extent, like when these guys came in, that, that was early in this new front office's tenure. You know, it was very early. Thomas was already here. Thomas was before. Yeah. They inherited yeah. him. And, and Yeen was the first, um, first was like big trade later after the Marte deal. Right. So, you know, did, did, this front office have everything they wanted in place. I know there's been a lot of, you know, developmental and coach overturn over the last year and a half or so. So you got to wonder too, if guys like that kind of got lost in, in the changeover um, between um, regimes. Yeah. And I mean, you know, shoot, how, how crazy did it have to be to, to, get to, you know, your tenure started and then you have a pandemic happen and, you know, we have a, a lockout looming and everything else, all this other craziness going on. And they're still able to keep the plan consistent and, you know, on point throughout this whole thing. So, I mean, I get, I get the, the extent of being like a little over the whole rebuild and the whole like, Oh, like every guy's going to be good. Like I, I get being over that, but this is the process that Ben Charrington has laid out and I think he has executed it um, as well as he, as anyone would have, you know, yes, you can talk about some questionable trades and things like that, but you know, th this list speaks for what he has done here. Uh, 61 top prospects. And, you know, some of those, yes, are Neil Huntington's prospects, but they're making strides under this new front office. Michael Burroughs took a huge step forward from, uh, you know, the previous regime till now. And, you know, I just think, um, I think they have the right people in place and they're doing it the right way. Um, you know, let's give it some time here yeah. still before we start judging it. That's my biggest thing. 
Yeah, you have to. I mean, it's still rebuilds are, are slow and, and you know tough to sit through, but it is still early and it has been. I, I think I'm with you. A great rebuild to this point. I think you just look at that draft. I mean, we'll go back to that time and time again as this continues to develop and we see how successful these teams are. But just the robbery that that they were able to pull off this past summer, um, you know, really speaks to the game plan and, and how consistent they've been throughout this whole thing. Add quantity, you know, get as many guys as you can. We look over this list. There's four catchers you feel very confident. In. There's all kinds of outfielders here. You got middle infield, um, you know, all over the place. So you just love what they've been able to do so far. And I heard somebody say it on here. I'm not. I, I don't really remember which one. Uh, <clears throat> I might have even been Michael McHenry a couple weeks ago. But you know having all of this happen while we lose games in 2020 and, you know, potentially lose games in 2022, this is not the worst time to, to be going through a rebuild right now. You know, get, go ahead and get it over with while this other craziness is, is going down. So you love but that's what I mean. You got to give them credit too, like for being oh, yeah. able to do this during the pandemic. Like they literally started this rebuild right before the pandemic started. Like, you know, the scouting information, all that has been so limited since they've been here and yet you know it seems like they're doing a really good job you know and yeah sure there might be some misses but any front office is going to have misses so let's quit being there's so, no, not even the razor 100 percent. yeah let's let's quit being so freaking critical of every little thing that happens you know to to capita marcano like you said he very well could be a good player a decent player he could be a bust but that doesn't define if ben charrington's gonna have success here not as gm so relax to some of those you know twitter elitists out there <laughs> who think like just because they can the sky is falling because of lives, they, they understand is out. I mean, really, Murakano came here, you know, mid-season, uh, end of the season, and struggled. I mean, it's not crazy. He's not after skipping prospect. two levels of the minors. Yeah, he's not the first prospect that has ever struggled at a new place in his first taste there. I mean, you know, he played for the Padres his whole career, basically. Like he, he got just he was sent across the whole country. Oh, by the way, a country that he's not from. Like people yeah. adjust differently. So let's let's relax and hold off before we judge if these guys are going to be good. And furthermore, let Ben Charrington continue. Like you said, he brings in four catchers the last two years. There's a good chance one of those catchers works out. Like it doesn't matter which one, right? Like they all have their different tools and all their different possibilities that Ben Charrington's looking at and this front office is looking at. But like what it comes down to is bringing in, like you said, as much high talent as you can and, you know, you have you put the odds on your side. Then, if you have the guys in the right places, yeah. And you know, Nick, you mentioned the the pandemic and the role that plays in this. The the first big trade, really, the first big move Ben Charrington made as general manager of the Pirates was a trade Starling Marte, and Starling Marte was traded at the tail end of January in 2020. So you know, you're talking what four or five weeks before the world essentially shut down. And that's what they've been up against. You know, they made their first big move with Marte. And yes, that was one that they probably had a lot of scouting information and whatnot on. And it's looks like it's going to pan out with the player we expect Lovero Paguero to turn into, regardless of what happens to Brennan Malone. But in essence, every move they have made since then has been made with limited information one way or another. And yet, through all that, they have still managed to assemble a top five farm system in all of baseball, which is extremely impressive. 
it's incredible. And, you know, just kind of add on to it, too. I'm tired of seeing that, that Ben Charrington doesn't care about the fans or, you know, isn't worried about the fans right now. There's a part of me that thinks Tuka Peter Marcano was him saying, all right, everybody's being realistic about Adam Frazier. We can get what we can get. Let's get a guy that we can play immediately and appease the fans a little bit in Pittsburgh. So, um, you know, just really everybody take a breath, like Nick said. It's going to be all right. Give this guy time. Give this this franchise time to – you know, continue to develop these guys, mold these guys. And, um, you know, we'll see what we have in a few years. We looked at it at the top, the bottom, young, old, looked at it a lot of different ways, guys. But just kind of your overall thoughts as we close it out here on this updated top 61 prospect list from Fangraphs. Just one thing I want to add at the end. I'm just, ha- I'm just happy to see uh, JC Fowlers and Luis Ortiz on the list after having a pretty good blit years last year. I, I like both of those pitchers. Yeah, definitely agree. No, it's Flowers. He um, showed some good stuff last year, and you know he's someone I'm interested to see uh, how they develop him in the future. If they continue to uh, allow him to make starts, or you know continue to use him out of bullpen, but regardless, it seems like he's he's got an upward arrow for sure. Yeah, he yeah, just has a wipeout slider that I love. So yeah, that's what I mean. Like I think he he'll I, he has big league stuff. I think you know. Yeah, Flowers is one of the good to see on there. You know, one of the guy I'll mention, uh, part of the Jacob Stalling trade, Kyle Nicholas checking in number 16 on Fangraph's list. Um, I'm sure Nicholas will start the season as a starting pitcher. The Pirates can do everything they can to make everybody a starting pitcher. When the dust settles, I think Nicholas ends up in the bullpen, but I think Nicholas could be David really Yeah, yeah. Him <laughs> him and Bednar could be an incredible one-two punch at the back of the bullpen in a year or two. And one other guy that we did not mention that I think should get mentioned is Jiwon uh, Bay. Uh, we're outside the top 10 at number 11 on Fangraphs. Probably going to start the year at AAA Indianapolis. Probably going to be one of the first prospects we see graduate this season. And while Bay doesn't necessarily have a set position, he can play, I think, everything but catcher in first base. So he's definitely a guy who looks to have a bright future with the Pirates due to his positional flexibility, due to his ability to hit and a guy that we could see in Pittsburgh pretty early in the 2023 season. And like you said, Marty, with that, like he has a actually in a way a much clearer path to the big leagues because he can play so many different positions that, you know, it's not like, oh, well, have to wait for something to happen to the second baseman if we want to see him come up. Like, But, no, I, I agree with some of those guys you point out. You know, one one person I want to point out that, Honestly, it's stood out to me, and I'm sure it stood out to a lot of people who looked at this as um, Carmen uh, Lodzinski. Majinski. Jeez, I forgot. It's been so long since I've had to say his name out loud. But Trey yeah, the South Carolina connections. He can yeah, I was going to say, that one's close to home for me. So. <laughs> say it again. Majinski? Majinski, you got it. Yeah, Carmen yeah. Majinski. You know, to see him so low on the list was quite puzzling for me. Uh, he had me too. a solid year last year, and I know he had, you know, a hiccup, but he even went to the Arizona Fall League, I believe, right, Noah? Yeah, he went to the Which Arizona Fall League. They said he was uh, – they, they said he was like – he didn't do great, but, again, Arizona Fall League was such a – was like Coors Field on steroids. It was insane how – And that was, that was after was. he finished a year on the IL, correct? Yeah, but, so, I mean, they said like he was still – he had a small uptick. I think they said like he was hitting like 95 to 97, and they still bumped him down. To me, that was like – he didn't do bad. He didn't do bad in a hitter-friendly environment last year at Greensboro. He was pretty solid and was above average in pretty much every major. That, you know, gets at – ends the year at Indianapolis – 
goes to the Arizona Fall League. Doesn't do great in the Arizona Fall League. He's throwing a little harder. But again, Arizona Fall League such a hitter-friendly environment that I, too, was surprised to see him get bumped down so far. Yeah, I mean, I just think, you know, at, at the very least, he's, I think, going to have a spot in this rotation, yeah, you know, too. in the near-term future. I mean, they said, I mean, they, they said like, he's going to be, I think last year, their, like, mid-2021 report, they said he's going to be a... You know, he, he could be a number three starter. And now they said he could be a middle relief guy. And to me, I was like, what happened between then and now that made him fall that far? Yeah, and you got to wonder, like, you know, maybe if that is also a result of not having a lot of a big sample for him because he missed time. But yeah, and, and before that, of course, coming out of the draft in 2020, like, you know, not getting a lot of time there either. So. I, I don't know. That was the one that stood out to me um, uh, that I, we didn't get to talk about that I wanted to bring up. Overall, you know, just excited to see um, the talent that is in the system and the talent that Ben Charrington has brought in, especially via the draft the last two years. To see those names filling up, you know, the top 20 list is, uh, you know, very exciting and it also gives, you know, something we were talking about before the show, um, you know, this year the Pirates are going to be in another really good position in the draft to have another really good um, haul if they can put it together like they did this past year. And you got to think just seeing how aggressive they've been the last two years, um, you know, they're they're going to be in store for another good one. For sure. It's going to be a really, really fun summer when we talk about the draft. And we're going to break that all down as we continue here on Rum Buncher Radio. Hopefully, guys, when the next time we talk to you, there is a new CBA in place. Baseball is restored. And, you know, we look at an opening day that's close to, if not on the original start at the end of March there. Guys, for Noah Wright, Nick Caparoso, and Marty Leap, my name is Trinity. We thank you so much for joining us this week and every week. Don't forget to go to rumbuncher.com. Check out a lot of different articles right now, breaking down this list, talking about the lockout, baseball in general, stuff we can see on the other side of it as well. So go check that stuff out. Noah, thanks so much for coming on with us tonight, man. Always a pleasure. Yep, always a pleasure to come on too. Yeah, good stuff, Noah. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, guys, go follow us on Twitter if you haven't done that, at Rumbunter. Get in the feed and let us know what you're thinking there on Twitter as well. Uh, we love hearing from you guys. And, you know, we need some camaraderie right now as, uh, as this lockout continues on. Till next week, everybody. Have a great one. Let's go Bucks. of being upsold at gyms my guy you're currently a base member for 90 dollars more i can upgrade you to our shred membership for 130 more you'll be a swole member and for just 300 more you'll reach sweat platinum at planet fitness you'll get energy without the upsell never pushy always free fitness training and equipment for every workout it's fitness that fits your budget join planet fitness for just one dollar down and ten dollars a month cancel anytime deal ends friday may 10th see home club for details